0: Proverbs chapter 18, verse 14 in the Amplified Version. I want you to look at that now. Ready, read. It says, The strong spirit of a man sustains him in bodily pain or trouble, but a weak and broken spirit, who can bear? Now, notice with me the strong spirit. What kind of a spirit is the Spirit of God? Is he the spirit of weakness? Or is he the spirit of might? Is he, the, is he the spirit of discouragement? Or is he the spirit of encouragement? Is he the spirit of confusion? Or is he the spirit of wisdom? So the strong spirit will sustain you. And in life, we need to be sustained. We need to be held up and lifted up because every one of us face temptations, trials, and tests. Matter of fact, the book of James calls them divers kinds. So there's different kinds of tests that we may face. You may face a test that I'll never face. I may face a test that you'll never face. Some people face the tests of cancer. Others face the tests of bankruptcy. Others face the tests of Who knows what? Maybe their children rebelling or mental torment. But the key here now is the Holy Spirit will strengthen your spirit. And he will enable you to be sustained and to overcome in your time of testing and in your time of trial. That's good news. So then we want to have a strong spirit. We don't want to have a weak spirit. Because a weak spirit, quite frankly, is not going to get it. In the day and in the hour in which we live, if we are weak, we're defeated. Now, the Lord showed me a while back some characteristics, if you will, of a weak spirit. One characteristic of a weak spirit when a person has a weak spirit, they become lethargic, they become lazy. And everything, no matter what it is, looks difficult. From getting up in the morning, to punching the clock, to paying the bills, to picking up the children, and a person with a weak spirit who is lazy can't tackle life's challenges. They just resign themselves to, well, this is the way it is. And after all, you know, the Lord is doing this to me because I just don't know why. No, a weak and lethargic spirit will not tackle life. But a person with a strong spirit will get up on Monday morning and say, hey, Monday, watch out. This is the day that the Lord has made. I'll tell you what I'm going to do this day. I'm going to rejoice and I'm going to be glad in it. Choice is ours. We can either be sad or we can be glad. So a lazy spirit is the result of a weak spirit. A person that is constantly whining and complaining and griping doesn't have a strong spirit. They have a fleshy, weak spirit. Oh, how the flesh likes to gripe. Oh, how the flesh likes to complain. There is something about griping and complaining that the flesh, for some reason, gets a payoff. And people say, well, you know what? I've just got to let it all out. I've had it up to here. I'm letting it all out. And people pat him on the back and say, that's right, just let it out, honey. Let it out, baby. Just let it out. I mean, to where they get to the point where it was crying, now it's just (gasps) heaving. Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do. Oh, Jesus. Think about it. You're not letting it out. You're letting it in. Letting what in? Letting wrong spirits in. Letting grief in. Letting discouragement in. Now, a person that's discouraged has a weak spirit. But a person that's strong in the Lord and in the power of his mind has a thankful heart. An attitude of gratitude. A spirit of faith. Amen. Amen. And another characteristic of a weak spirit is constantly yielding to the same temptation over and over and over again. You know, whatever the temptation may be, we're not going to talk about types of temptations, but you know. Strong for a period of time, and then the temptation comes. They get weak in their spirit, and then yield again. Strong for a couple weeks, then get weakened by circumstances, and then again. Yielding to the same sin and the same temptation. A person that is constantly yielding to the same sin over and over and over again has a weak spirit. Now that is not something... That we need to get bummed out about. But it is something that we can do something about. The key to overcoming temptation is never get weak. Don't open the doors. Close the door. Keep the door closed. And on the door say you may not enter in. See Satan's plan is to weaken us. And he waits for the opportune time. He waited for the time when Jesus would get weak. When was that? It was during 40 days of prayer and fasting. Is that right? He came to tempt him. And he didn't just tempt him once. He tempted him three times. But Jesus responded every time with the word of God he had to have been being strengthened by the Spirit of God and full of the Word of God so that out of his spirit and out of his mouth came the Word of God. And the Bible says that he left him, Satan left him for another season. Now listen, smart people will keep the devil waiting because he waits to weaken. So that he can overwhelm and eventually bring destruction into a people's lives. Those are just a few characteristics of a weak spirit. But a person with a strong spirit says, You know what? There's no temptation taking me but such as is common to man, and my God is faithful. He will not suffer to be tempted above that I'm able, but He will always provide a way out for me. Always. Provide a way out for me. So the question is, is how then do I become strong in my spirit? Three ways. Number one, you got to eat right. Number two, you need to exercise. And number three, you need to come into a place of rest. In the natural, if you want a strong physical body, nutritionally, you must eat right. Amen? Then you must exercise. But if all you do is eat right and exercise and never sleep, your muscles and your life never has the opportunity to be rejuvenated. The Bible says that man is not going to live by bread alone. But he's going to live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The scripture talks about How that Paul was exhorting Timothy, and he said, Now, son, you need to be constantly nourished up in the words of faith. The Bible is the word of faith. The word contains faith in it. And when you get the word in you, it strengthens you on the inside. Now, listen, and then exercise. How do you exercise? You don't exercise spiritually by going for a 5K run. You don't exercise spiritually by going to the gym and lifting. You exercise spiritually by what you're doing today. You refuse to forsake the assembling of yourselves together. But you come together and you worship and you praise Him corporately. But you don't just do that when you're with hundreds of people. You also do it in the privacy of your own home. You get your praise on in your bedroom. You have great music. You have spiritual songs constantly flowing out of your innermost being in the car, in the bedroom, on the job, wherever you are. You're constantly being filled with the Holy Spirit. Praising God is a spiritual exercise. Praying in the spirit. Praying out of your spirit. It is a spiritual exercise. Being a doer of the word of God. It is a spiritual exercise. Making the decision. I'm not just going to be here anymore. I'm going to do this word. What are you doing? You're developing. And then you come to a place of rest. Just like your body needs rest seven to eight hours a night for most people, your spirit man needs rest. Now the Bible says this, that those who believe do enter into a place of rest. Rest is God's will for His people. Resting in Him is waiting on Him and letting Him rejuvenate you And strengthen you, direct you, and give you the things that are necessary for you to overcome in this life. Everyone say, exercise and rest. And being filled with the word of God will strengthen me in my spirit. Now look with me at Psalm 37. And I want us to look at verses 1 through 7. Everyone just kind of lean back and say this. I'm entering in to the rest of God. That does not mean sleeping in church. But entering into the rest of God is entering into what he's already done for you. It's not accomplishing by your own ingenuity or your own works or your own strength. Something that he has already accomplished for us. See, believers are full of rest. In Psalm 37, in verse 1, the word of the Lord says, and I'll get my Bible. Amen. Psalm 37, that's all right, guys. I got my B I B L E. And I exhort you to bring your Bible to church. Amen. Get full of the word. All right, Psalm 37. Glory to God. Are you still here? I'm here. Amen. Now notice in verse 1, and I want to read that from the King James Version, Psalms 37 and verse 1. Entering into the rest of God. He said, fret not because of evildoers. Neither be envious against the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. As a result, you'll dwell in the land and you will be fed. So notice the word fret, not, and then trust in the Lord. Verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of of your heart. Fret not, trust in, delight yourself. In other words, get happy. Verse 5, commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in Him, and who's going to bring it to pass? He, the head of the church, will bring it to pass. Oh, glory. Verse 6, and He shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light And thy judgment as the noonday, read verse 7 with me, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Fret not thyself because of Him who prospers in His way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass, verse 8, cease from anger, forsake wrath, fret not thyself in any way to do evil. Now, how many times did we see the word fret not? You saw at least three times. So within the context of Psalm thirty seven, if we're going to rest in him, we can't be worrying. We cannot be fretting about tomorrow. We cannot be fearful about yesterday, today, or tomorrow. Now here's what I want you to see very carefully now. What I want you to see is this is you can spend Mucho time in the word, mucho time in prayer and in praise, and you can even also enter into the rest of God and still at the end of the day be drained. And still at the end, after you've done all these things, and still be drained. How many of you have ever taken a bath before? You know, most of the time, you do not wait until the tub is full. Until, you know, you, you usually turn the, you know, the water on, you go your way, several minutes you come back, and the tub should be full. Well, basically, that's how it works. But sometimes, people turn the water on, and they forget to plug the drain. <laughs> And if they don't plug the drain, the water can keep working and flowing all day long. But that tub will never be ready for a bath if the drain is not plugged. And here's what the Lord is saying. My people, the people of God, if they are going to enjoy the things that I have for them, must eliminate all the drains. Eliminate all the drains. I mean, you come to a service like this and get blessed out of your socks. And go in your automobile and have a fight with your wife. Or a fight with your husband. And immediately strife comes on the scene. And the Bible says where strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. Strife, as one person has said, is the manifest presence of the devil. When's the last time you got into a fight and into an argument and felt really good about it? I mean, your spirit man just felt built up. No, you may just gotten out of church, but I'll tell you what—drained. Drained. Drained. Listen, friends, unforgiveness and strife and resentment will drain you. No matter how many books you read, no matter how many sermons you attend. And seminars you go to, if you're not going to walk in love, you'll never be full filled with all the fullness of God. There'll be a constant draining of your strength, a constant draining of your courage. Are you understanding this? Eliminate the drains. We could call this sermon "Operation Elimination." Operation Elimination. Now, I can't tell you what you need to eliminate out of your life. That is not my job. But my job is to point you in a direction where you begin to look to the Lord about it. And you'll begin to seek His face and to get His counsel about your present circumstance. Amen. Amen. You see, in Hebrews, the Word of God says that we are to lay aside the weights. Or the Amplified says we are to lay aside that which is unnecessary. There are things in life that are perfectly legitimate. They're perfectly fine to do. But are they building you or are they draining you? Are they strengthening you or are they weakening you? Anybody in this house? Now listen. Listen one area that absolutely needs to be removed out of all of our lives is being fearful and being full of fret. Fear and fretting, worry and anxiety will literally drain you. It'll sap all the strength out of you. I mean, you may have just gone to a Joyce Meyer meeting. Or you may have just gone to the week of increase. Or T.D. Jakes, whatever kind of camp meetings he has. With the finest preachers in the world pumping you up. Come on now. Blessing your socks off. You got your praise on. Woo, glory. You got full of the word and then then you got home. I said, then you got home. I said, then you got home and Pookie and them were in your living room. You know what I'm talking about. Or Jeff and Beth, whatever. Or Jose and Juanita, I don't know. You don't want to make this a racial issue. We're talking about the hangarounds. <laughs> Where's my meal? Yeah. Yeah. Things that drain you. Uh-huh. People that drain you. People that are living off of you. Yeah. Taking your income away from you. And not doing one single thing with their life. But this. We got Comcast. When are we going to get DirecTV? Yeah, I said Pookie and them. Jose and Juanita, Jeff and Beth. I mean, you are, I mean, you, you're from the airport. You're, whoo, this is the day, whoo, this is the day that, hey. No more worries. No more cares. You come home, you go to the mailbox, and here's the bills. Oh, dear God, what am I going to (laughs) do? Worry, fear, it'll drain you. You get a bad report from the doctor, if you are not well trained and nourished up in the words of faith and have had your praise on and have entered into rest, that'll drain you it'll drain you now look with me at Matthew chapter 6 <clears throat> operation well before we go there go to 2nd Corinthians 4 2nd Corinthians 4 verse 16 thank you Lord Thank you, Lord. Can you say, "Thank you, Lord"? Thank you, Lord. Thank you Jesus. Oh, hallelujah! Thank you, Lord. Mm-mm-mm. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse sixteen. I'm going to look at it from the Amplified Version. Second Corinthians four sixteen. It says here: Therefore, we do not become discouraged, utterly spiritless. That's another way of saying weak exhausted and wearied through fear. So fear is exhausting. It weakens us and it wearies us, but we're not going to become that way. And if we are that way before we leave today, we're going to go another way. I'm not becoming discouraged. That's that ought to be your confession. I'm not weak. I'm not exhausted. I'm not going to be wearied out through fear. Because I know one thing for sure. Though this outward man is progressively decaying and wasting away. Yet, my inner man is being progressively renewed and strengthened day by day by day by day. Glory to God. Now listen. We couldn't be renewed, or we couldn't be depleted, is a better way to say it, if we didn't need to be renewed. If you're depleted, God says, I want to renew you. I want to strengthen you. I want to help you. Now turn to Matthew 6. Matthew, the sixth chapter. Matthew chapter 6, and let's begin at verse 21. He says, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thy eye be single, thy whole body shall be flooded with light. Amen. But if an eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore I say unto you, now notice these these phrases, take no thought for your life. So understand those thoughts that are coming to you are thoughts directly from the enemy. And he says, don't take them. Don't entertain them. Rather, pull them down and cast them down. He says, don't take any thought for your life. What are you going to eat? What are you going to drink? Nor for your physical body, what are you going to put on? he said, is not the life more than meat and the body than clothing? And then he said, in verse 26, behold the fowls of the air. Now the master would never ever tell us to consider the birds if he didn't want us to stop and think about, for a few moments anyway, the birds. Behold the fowls of the of the air. Another way is this to say it is this: consider, look at the birds of the air. He said, "The master said this. He said they sow not; neither do they reap. They don't gather into barns. Now, notice this. But your heavenly Father does what? He feeds them." And then his closing statement is this Are you not much more better than a bird? Question I have for you today. If you ever, in your life, if you have, we're going to have you see a shrink. But if you ever walk by a tree, a tree full of birds, And here, out of the tree, from one of the birds, what in the world are we going to (laughs) do? It's been a dry year. The hay fields aren't what they used to be. And I got little ones back at the nest. And I tell you what, if this drought continues, I don't know how in the world we're going to feed them. And the other bird steps up and says, call, call, it's awful, it's terrible, call, just joining in an agreement. And you know, that's how a lot of these Christian birds do. They sit around at the restaurants and they say, man, this recession is awful, ain't it? I don't know what in the world we're going to do. School just started. I don't have any new clothes for my babies. I don't even have any books. And then sister so-and-so says, cool. (laughs) It sure is awful. It sure is bad. I sure hope they pass this bill. I sure hope that, that something happens in this country. It's not what happens in this country. It's what happens in you. Come on now, saints. Jesus told us. Consider the birds. You'll never hear that. And you never will. Come on, somebody. He's saying, don't take any thought." But people like to moan, they like to groan, they like to gripe, because it feels good. You know how some people, they like the blues? You know, I kind of like Motown, like the blues. I hear some of those songs, you know, and I could go with it. But I've got to ask myself, what's behind those blues? Or how about country music? Your dog left you. He's riding in the person's car pickup that stole your wife. You just lost your can of Copenhagen. You know, it feels good to the flesh. You know that twang music. My achy, breaky heart. My achy, breaky heart. Where's that in the Bible? Then you turn the channel, and it's called "Me and Mrs. Mrs. Jones, Mrs. Jones, Mrs. Jones." We got a thing going on. And the beat's good. I mean, yeah, baby. Woo! Sounds good, feels good to the flesh. But think about it. Him and Mrs. Jones are committing adultery. The country western singer is ruining his chest by all the. Caw, he's been chewing. <laughs> Papa was a Rolling Stone? Huh? Come on, help me out a little bit. Not even to mention some of the hip hop that you can't even understand. Yeah, but I like that beat. But you have to ask yourself, what's behind the beat? What kind of a spirit is motivating that? And if it's a wrong spirit, and you entertain it, it'll drain you. I mean, it may feel you good, make you feel good in May or April, but you'll sure enough be shot down in May. Frank Sinatra. So I illustrate these things to you. Now, I'm not the head of the church. I can't tell you what to do and what not to do. If I did, it wouldn't do any good. I'm not here giving you a list of do's and a list of don'ts. But let the Holy Spirit deal with you. Let the head of the church talk to you. Is this producing benefit for my spirit? Is it strengthening me? Or is it weakening me? Is it adding to me? Or is it depleting me? You have to look at so many different areas of life. Your relationships. If you've got too many call around you. You need to have some faith buddies some people that will put something into you. Not constantly wanting to drain you and get something from you and take your time and take your money and take other things from you. I know I'm preaching pretty good right now. Thank you, Lord. These things are draining us. Me included. These things are not promoting spiritual health and strength Jesus said look at the birds You know the birds eat worldwide Billions of birds ate today Billions of them Blackbirds, red birds, white birds, all sorts of birds ate today and are eating right now And Jesus said, you're worth more. You're worth more. You're worth more than a bird. I'm telling you, there are times the circumstances of life just come boom, 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 boom. boom. The strongholds of the enemy try to get on you and get in you and get in your thinking. I got a cure all for you. Get on the bird channel. no I didn't say become a bird brain but get the birds on your brain sometimes in a financial meeting if the finances are greater than what we've got come in if I get a little distant look in my eye what's wrong with pastor he's gone to his bird place come on saints He's considering the birds. You're better than a bird. You're better than the fowls of the air. Jesus shed his blood for you. He became poor that you through his poverty might be made rich. He became sick that you through his disease might be made whole. And most importantly, he became sin. And took the torments and all the anxieties and all of the fears and all of the worries on himself, on Calvary, 2,000 years ago. He loved you so much, he hung on the cross for you. Oh, come on. Consider the birds. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm much better than a bird. Now let's keep moving. You got a little bit more time? Verse 27. He says, which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit to his stature? And why take ye thought for clothing? And here again, I want you to consider the lilies. Consider the fields. Oh, Jesus. Consider all the hills. And the valleys that are clothed every season with new flowers, new foliage. Consider the lilies of the... I mean, there's mountains and hills and valleys that men will never see. And the Lord's looking out after them. He's clothing them every new season. Some of you ladies are missing out. If the lilies get new clothes every season, how about mama? Consider the lilies of the field. How many of you know Solomon was a dude? Solomon had himself some threads. But notice the next verse. He said, consider to the lilies of the field, they toil not, neither they, they spin. And yet I say unto you, that even Solomon, in all his glory, when the word glory is used in that context, it's talking about all of his wealth. Consider that, that Solomon, in all of his glory, was not arrayed like one of these And then he goes on to say, wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe ye, O ye of little faith? Stay out of the arena of doubt and unbelief. Quit talking about how expensive things are. Quit talking about how high this is. How high things are going. And consider the birds. Consider the lilies of the field. I don't think it's really a question of how high things cost. I think it's a question of how low our faith has become. I know that goes over real big let me keep preaching to you though he said therefore take no thought saying what am I going to eat what am I going to drink what am I going to wear now notice verse 32 read this with me for all these things what things clothing shelter and food for all these things do the Gentiles seek Now notice this, but your heavenly father, he knows, he knows your babies need clothes. He knows your PG&E bill needs to be paid. He knows that you have needs. He knows all about it. Well, why isn't he doing something about it then? That's between you and him. (laughs) That isn't for me to answer. But we do see a clue and a very uh, open statement in the next verse. He said, but seek ye first. In other words, don't get so consumed with the things you need. But get consumed about the kingdom. And sowing seed. Yeah. Sowing your life. Yeah. Sowing your treasures. Yeah. Sowing your talents. Yeah. Sowing your life for the advancement of the kingdom. The Master said, Your daddy knows you have need of all these things. Don't bother about that. Yeah. You can make a thousand and one confessions that my God supplies all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You can quote, 3,500 scriptures on prosperity. But if you're not seeking first the kingdom of God, it is of no avail. Matthew 6, 33. Let's read it. Come on. I think we're ready for this now. Read it with me. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. And all these things Shall be added. Let's read it again. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Now, who's going to add them to you? The king, the father. The word added there means will be laid aside right next to you. You will not have to add things to yourself. But if you will put him first, he will add these things unto you. Say it with me. A kingdom priority. So being stressed is not his will. Is it? Listen to this statement. I I, I think this is really good. Being stressed is not the result of your issues. Being stressed is not the result of your situation. But being stressed is the result of my response or your response to the pressure. If your response is, oh God, oh Lord, if your response is crying and begging and acting a fool, listen, believers are not beggars. I said it and I'm going to say it again. Believers are not beggars. We are not beggars. So that is a response that will get us nowhere. But on the other hand, you can respond by praising the Lord in your midnight hour. You can fall apart or you can stand up and be strong in him. And say, you know what? I'm taking a divine infusion of his strength into my life. I'm not going to let this bring me down. I am by the power of God going to stand strong. The choice is mine. The choice is yours. It's not a question of whether or not we're going to get faced with this. The question is is what are we going to do when it comes? Now you can decide ahead of time that you're going to stay strong. See we have the choice. God's given us the choice. We can either break down or we can be upheld by His love and by His grace. You know, you get to a point where you start looking at birds and become a bird watcher and you start considering the lilies of the field and you start reacting from the Word rather than reacting from the flesh. People around you will think you're crazy. They will literally think you're naive. Oh, bless his heart. He's been to church so much. He doesn't even know what time of day it is. My Lord, Ethel, we better pray for him. He's got birds on the brain. What's wrong with that boy? No, we're not naive. We're not out of our mind. We are in the Word. And in one sense, it has taken us out of the reasoning realm and brought us into the realm of the Spirit where faith is and where we can flow and function in and overcome every test. Listen, friend, you're not designed to handle stress. I'm not designed to handle stress. Stress kills people. It weakens the immune system. It causes high blood pressure. Many people who have been stressed and have gotten to the point of overworking and overburdening themselves with the cares of this life, many of them are not with us today. Oh, thank God they made it to heaven. But they got cheated out of God's best. Are you listening to me? I think we need to wise up. I think you and I need to be smarter. And be full of the wisdom of God. Too blessed to be stressed. Here's another thing that will drain you and drain me. And that is this. Living life in the fast lane. Or we could say it this way. Living life in the fast lane of busyness and fleshiness will drain us. Life can be so full that we become addicted to being busy. We pride ourselves in being a multitasker. Don't overestimate your abilities on the road by being a fool and texting. There are people that have buried teenagers because they overestimated their abilities. The society in which you and I live in, there's so much information. God never designed the internet to be a curse. The internet can be a blessing. You know what I use the internet for? Steadylight.org, Bible Gateway, to listen to sermons, to email. I use the internet to see how the giants are doing from time to time. (laughs) All right, I got it out. And to see what you're doing on Facebook. <sighs> we live in a world where there's information glut. I mean, 100 channels used to be enough. But now, it's 500, 600, 700. How many channels do you have? 450. I've got 600 It takes up a lot of time. And people take pride and they say, well, you know what? I'm connected, you know? I'm on the cutting edge. It really gets me, you know, when I'm in airports and these so-called high-tech business guys. I don't know what it is, whether it's pride or just wanting to feel important, but they're on their cell, you know? And they're talking real loud. So you can hear what's going on in their life. In reality, you could care less. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, baby, I got me an iPad, iPhone, shella ba ba ba. I'm connected. The question I have is connected to what? It will tire you out. A fax coming in. A thousand emails. It'll, tire you. It'll drain you. Beware of information glut. They are time robbers. And again, check yourself. Check yourself. Because here's how tiredness happens. If you're tired on the outside, it's not just on the outside that you're tired. You're tired on the inside. Listen to this scripture, Ecclesiastes 10, 15. It says, a fool's work will weary him to the point where he doesn't even know how to get to town. That's Ecclesiastes 10, verse 15. Now look at Ecclesiastes 10, verse 10. Glory to God. I said glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank, you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. A fool's work will weary him. Ask yourself, are you overly involved in too many areas? Do you have too many irons in the fire? There are certain things that are needful. There are certain things that are not. God can show you what they are. Ecclesiastes 10 and verse 10. It says, If the iron is blunt or if it's dull, and he doesn't wet or sharpen the edge, then must he put to more strength. But wisdom would be to sharpen the axe. You can go out all day with a dull axe and try to chop down trees. You can go out all day with a dull axe and try to make big deals. Try to make connections with a dull axe. Sweat flying, sap all over you. Flesh hanging out. You can walk around all day with the latest product on the market and try to sell it here and sell it there with a dull axe. But it would be much more profitable if the person, before he even went to the woods, took the axe and sharpened it. And sharpened it to where, he, when he went out into the forest, he would get directions. On where to hit. And where to chop. Come on somebody. And in a short while. He'll be saying timber. I said he'll be saying timber. In other words. With less energy. Will he produce more profit. Mm. If we're going to be productive in life. We must take time to sharpen the edge, to wait on God, to ask ourselves, okay, now what is God? And, and, and if it is God, then there's got to be grace to do it. I can't tell you the number of people that have tried to pastor their own church and it fell flat on their face because there was no grace. And I don't mean it wrong. And I'm not trying to be a hotshot or to elevate myself because I'm neither inferior to anyone nor am I superior to anyone. But you look around at all the storefront churches and all the churches that are running 30 and less on a Sunday morning in the Bay Area. And you have to ask yourself, after 10 years, don't they have a clue that they may not be called? Give me a break. There would be people that feel like they have to be behind the pulpit to lead a congregation, be a bigger blessing if they served in a church and rolled their sleeves up and operated in helps ministry. For some reason, there's this elevated thing about a pastor in the pulpit. Let me tell you, it ain't all that. It ain't all glamorous. I don't wear this suit to bed. Brenda and I don't walk down the hallways of our home going, Shundai, Kundai, see me tie my bow tie. We are normal human beings anointed to preach this, anointed to lead this. But no different than you are. I don't know why I'm getting off on that. Oh, Jesus. Lord, what is God for me? When something is right for you, when something is something you're fit for, there'll be grace to do it. I've been through some things in the last 10 years that if it wasn't for the grace of God, I'd be in the loony bin. Oh, His grace is sufficient. (laughs) His grace is more than enough. Hallelujah. His grace will work in you. His grace will work through you. His grace will strengthen you and enable you to carry out the will and the plan of God. If I had another two hours, I could finish this today. But I understand and I realize the nature of of a Sunday morning meeting. But I don't want to short you. So if you would just bear with me for a few moments and not put the brakes on. There are some things I believe the Lord could say to us today that will help us. Listen. God, by His Spirit, always leads with a sense of peace. The devil tries to direct with a sense of panic. And I want to remind you today that the Lord is our shepherd. And He leads us beside the still waters. And He restores our soul. When we've messed up and we've missed it and we all have too many times to recall, He restores our soul. Puts us back on our feet. Takes you beside the quiet waters. And renews you. And fills you. And restores you. And quickens you. While we were worshiping, the Lord said this to me. By His Spirit. The Spirit of the world will sidetrack you. But the Spirit of God will put you on the right path. Now listen. And he said, The Spirit of this world will drain you. But the Spirit of God will quicken you and strengthen you. The Spirit of this world will discourage you. But oh the Spirit of God will quicken you and encourage you and strengthen you. The Spirit of this world will make you feel insecure. But the Spirit of God, but the Spirit of God, but the Spirit of God brings you into fellowship with Him and brings you into a place of safety and a place of joy and a place of peace. Yea, a place of great security. For the Lord would say unto us this day, For you are my accepted, and I love you with an everlasting love. So receive from me this day. Stop striving. Stop pushing. Stop all the panic. And come to me and wait upon me. And I'll put you on the right path. I'll restore you. I'll strengthen you. And I will bring you into a great place of safety and security. That's what the Lord is saying. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hey. Maso kolene. Now what about that, Lord? Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Blessed be the name. Let's lift up our hands and praise Him. Glory to God. Sidetracked. Sidetracked by the Spirit of this world. If you have been, the path is clear. The Holy Spirit is here. He's speaking to hearts and He's saying to you, Oh, glory to God. Come nigh and come near. Amen. I don't have time to go into it today, but I just want to say this. Remember this, that Jesus is your shepherd. And he is not a task master. And we may get into that next week. Every head bowed and every eye closed.